Well, having established himself as a premier writer of conspiracy in high places, um, thrillers and 1996 with his first novel, Absolute Power, uh, which, uh, uh, by the way, made uh, was made into a hit movie starring Clint Eastwood. Um, David Baldacci has now written over 20 novels and remains the master of that uh, genre. Um, his new book, uh, The Innocent, um, is is absolutely <laughs> – uh, it, it, it's it's similar yet very very different than uh, David's books um, in the past. Um, I welcome uh, David Baldacci this morning, and this is Greg Grasso for the Marshall Public Library Radio Hour. David, good morning. How you doing, man? Hey, terrific, Greg. Great to be back. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, it's been about a year, year and a half uh, since we talked, and I, I can't wait to get this on the airwaves because, uh, quite frankly. At the Marshall Public Library, usually when a new book comes out, a thriller writer like yourself, we buy two copies. Um, unfortunately, we've got five on the shelf now. And um, I can always gauge, I, believe me, I can always gauge what the heck's going on in the industry, what, what people are eating up these days. Um, so here's another hit for you, David. I love it. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you very much. Sure, sure. Well, I wanna, um, I'd like to get into... Um, uh, the Innocent, right away. Um, we've got uh, Will Roby uh, back, um, the veteran assassin for uh, an unnamed uh, U.S. government agency. And um, this, uh, this book, to me, um, has a lot going on. Uh, there's a, a, a new character or a young character uh, introduced, uh, um, a teenager by the name of Julie Getty. And, um, David, why don't you set the stage uh, for us on this book? Um, give, us a little, uh, give us a little thumbnail sketch. Sure. Uh, Will Roby is a hitman uh, yep. for the government, and he's sent out on various assignments around the world, and he does his job really, really well. He's never missed his target before. And after a couple of overseas assignments, he comes back and is given a mission right in his own backyard in Washington, D.C. It looks like a pretty simple hit. Well, a single woman in an apartment, you know, very low security. It looks like it'll be an in and out, no problem. When he gets there, though, there are some disturbing things at the scene, um, and he does the unthinkable. He can't pull the trigger, um, but someone else does, and the target is killed, and he has to go on the run. And when he goes on the run, he runs headlong into this teenage girl, Julie Getty, who's also running away from a nightmare of her own, and they have to form this unwieldy alliance. And you really don't know if... You know, the paths are separate if they came together by coincidence or otherwise. Um, but the, the cool thing about this book is that my predator, this guy is a machine, a killing machine. That's all he's ever known. In this book, he has to sort of transform to a guardian angel, and it's probably his greatest challenge. Yeah, and, um, you know, uh, Julie plays a pretty big role in this story. Um, she's yes. a teenager. Um, she seems to, well, with with just what happened, I mean, uh, the assassination of her parents, right? Right. Um, but uh, she's, a, she's a tough cookie. Um, she's uh, almost as fearless as, uh, as Will. <laughs> yeah, she, she's really a product of the street. She's been in the foster care system for a long time. She's had less than an ideal childhood. Both of her parents had drug problems. But she's still a good kid. She's smart, a lot of street smarts. It was a tricky balance with Julie during the course of this book, though, because I wanted to make her tough and independent and strong and all that. But also, when you're dealing with what she was dealing with in the book, professional assassins, uh, people at a very high level, 
doing things that she had no knowledge of and really wasn't prepared for. I really had to go back and forth between her being sort of strong and independent and realizing that, yes, she's still just a 14-year-old kid thrust into a situation that many adults uh, with a lot of skills would be challenged by. So at some point she was, you know, what I wanted her to be, sharp and strong and decisive. In other parts, she was just a kid who was scared out of her mind. Yeah, yeah. But but she uh, you know she pursues um, what, what you know what what's what's the um, what's the real connection between uh, uh, between Roby and her um, you know Roby's <laughs> Roby's is um, is is trained to not uh, let emotions come through uh, but right. but he really takes on a uh, kind of human aspect this time doesn't he. Yeah, it was really the only reason to, to do this book is to show that transformation. And you can, uh, you know, thrillers where the the heroes, the the assassins or whatever, just kind of these machines to just go go go, and they never make a mistake, they never flinch, nothing ever goes wrong. Yeah, it gets boring after a while. I need to show the chinks in the armor in my people and the flaws that they have and the doubts that they have. It's when you have a sort of job like this, it's not like you're just a robot that goes and executes orders. If things on the ground make you pause and you have doubts, it just means you're human. And Will Roby really shows his human side in this novel, and Julie Getty was a big part of that. He was confronted with something he never really had before. He was confronted with some someone he had grown to care about. Yeah, yeah, and he's uh, he, he uh, he's never had a uh, a female in his sights, has he? No, he's you know he's been a loner yeah. uh, his whole career. And that's just the way he sort of built. And never expected, because of what he did for a living, never expected to have a relationship really with anyone. Just didn't seem to be in the cards. And this allowed him to sort of come out a little bit. Uh, but in the course of the book, obviously, you know, when you when you do that, you're also at risk, you know, being, you know, devastated by something as well. So that's always the always the problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like I, I like that connection because. Um, um, Oh, you know, I know a lot of military types. I was in the military, blah blah blah, and uh, um, you know, we go through training. We're we, we're, we're designed. We're um, uh, kind of uh, nurtured into uh, into a mode of uh, operating without thinking. Um, but but yeah, this, this this was touching in in that respect that uh, that he uh, you know he has compassion, um, and you don't see that in a lot of. Uh, uh, these genre types, you just don't see the compassion um, and understanding come out with these uh, with these hitmen. So it, yeah, that was important for me. Though I just wanted to you know make a carve out of sort of a fully formed, multi dimensional person who started out not being that way. But you know I, I like reading books and I also like seeing movies where you have that character arc where the character grows in some respect and changes by the time the movie the book ends. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of movies. Um, uh, to me, this book read like a movie, um, although although uh, very violent, uh, bloody, yet um, you know it doesn't turn you away. And so, um, why so graphic this time, David? Actually, I mean, why? Well, you know, you make a you make a, have to make a conscious decision about how far you want to go and how many punches you want to pull, but stay true to the material. And because of what Ro- Will Roby did for a living, you know, it was going to be violent, certainly, um, and in close quarters uh, where conditions on the ground uh, can change um, in a fraction of a second. You never know what's going to happen. You have to be prepared to utilize all your skills. Um, and this is one of those books that is called for it. You know, sometimes I write books that I don't have to go as far as I did. Uh, I can pull back some. This one, you know, I got out there a little bit. Yeah, and that's what everybody uh, is is communicating to me, that um, uh, 
this is uh, this is different, uh, and they're eating it up, man. Like I said, uh, I'm. <laughs> well, just it just finished just finished his fourth month on the New York Times bestseller list. That's doing really really good. <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, your your last book, um, uh, The Sixth Man, was uh, insane. Also, I mean uh, that that's a huge seller. Also, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey, man, you you, you know, you just write really good stuff. (laughs) Um, You know, um, we we talked last time about the research that you do, the fact that you've got an office uh, in close proximity to the uh, intelligence world um, Mm -hmm. uh, and the agencies that you uh, uh, may communicate with from time to time. So um, how did you uh, how did you fold in a teenager into this? Uh, well, n- n- that's not really my question. How did you um, did you do anything different? Uh, did you let just your head go on this one? Um, because obviously, you know how that world works. Yeah, and uh, a lot of you know um, military types have the uh, skill sets to be able to do what Roby has done. We read about it in the papers from time to time. You know, targets are taken out in certain places around the world. That world I know pretty well, uh, as well as I could, although I'm not having personally participated in it, but knowing a lot of people who, you know, are sort of in that arena. Um, the Julie Getty part, you know, I'm a dad, I've got two kids. Um, mm-hmm. I've gone through the teenage years with my kids, both girl and boy, and um, allowed me to really, I think, get into the head of Julie Getty and how she would act and talk and all that. And um, so that one I just felt like I... <laughs> I'd earn my stripes on being able to write about a 14-year-old teenage girl, and uh, I was able to, you know, hopefully cure that out okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fun, isn't it, uh, uh, trying to manage a 14-year-old girl, isn't it? <laughs> my, my, my daughter, Melissa, uh, who is uh, 25, uh, I just walked her down the aisle, actually, in, in March. Um, oh, terrific. Yeah. Um, uh, she, uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at the venue. I'm, I'm holding her arm. Uh, we're walking down, and all this stuff flashes in my head. It's like, oh, God. You know, the first thing I, I uh, remembered is, you know, the diaper changing and the late nights and the feeding. And then all of a sudden, flash in my head, a 13-, 14-year-old girl. It's like, uh-oh, look out. I'm, I'm in trouble. <laughs> then she gets her license. And then, you know, it's like, oh, crap, here we go. So so I love, I love the connection. I love the fact that you're a dad and you understand these, uh, these wonderful young children. <laughs> that makes so much sense to me. I love it. Oh, man. Hey, I heard, I heard the, uh, uh, recently that uh, you are, uh, you're making a movie of Wish You Well. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, we are a feature film. We um, have, you know, raised the money independently. We have a lot of investors. Um, I helped finance a movie uh, last year in Virginia that starred Jane Seymour that we sold to Hallmark and a bunch of other countries around the world. So I thought, you know, let's load up and do it again. I've written the script for Wish You Well, and we uh, have a director on board who's done both features and uh, tell a lot of television. And uh, we're going after a list cast. We're going to uh, we're set to shoot in Giles County, Virginia, which is where they made Dirty Dancing. Yes. Um, so we have a lot of locations already set up there. I've got a great production team. Um, we're going to start shooting uh, the second week of October and wrap up in about 27 days. We'll do our post production in Los Angeles and New York, and then we'll hit the film festivals, get distributor, and see it in, in the theaters. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it sounds like it. Um, 
do you, uh, do we have an idea of who the main characters, uh, the main actors are going to be, or do you, do you yeah, want to really set right now? Yeah, they're not set. We have offers out to several, you mm-hmm. know, of the leads who are all, you know, A-list recognizable names, mm. um, and we'll see, you know, what we come back with. But um, we think it's going to be a great film, and, um, you know, we're going to do our best to make it a great film. How does that work? You, you throw out you throw out the script, and uh, you're... Uh, who does the casting? The, uh, is the we have a cast, yeah, we have a casting director. Yeah. She's done, you know, probably fifty feature films. Worked with, you know, the the, the giant giants of the industry. She's wow. done a great job. Um, it's it's a it's a huge puzzle to put a film together. You should look look at our spreadsheet schematics. It's looked like a jillion little pieces. Really, you know, um, a lot of hard work. But at the end of the day, I think it's worth it. And we've overcome a lot of hurdles. And we're very happy to have the director we have. And we're also just uh, excited about getting through the casting and then you know getting in front of the cameras. That's oh, that's insane. You know, um, uh, I've read a number of your books and. Uh, a lot of them, most of them uh, read like movies to me anyway, because uh, like I said uh, in our last interview um, or our first interview that uh, uh, I'm a reader that needs to put little tiny pictures together um, and and you seem to be able to do that very seamlessly. It uh, totally amazes me. Um, So, uh, well, you know, I mean, uh, you're good, (laughs) period. (laughs) You're good. (laughs) Jeez. Hey, um, what uh, what's going on in your life these days? Uh, anything new? Um, I, how how are the two dogs doing? <laughs> they're doing great. They're you know they're the same as they've always been. It's just uh, they're two brothers that they, they constantly fight and then they make up. <laughs> just like when we were growing up, David. Right? <laughs> they are they are fun to be around. Yeah, and uh, the family's good, I suspect. Yeah, they are. I've got, you know, one daughter, she'll be starting her second year in college, and my son will be a rising junior in high school. Oh, and, boy. Um, so does he have his license? Oh, yeah, he yeah. does. He's been, and he's been driving well. He's, you know, he also has his boating license as well, and I let him drive, you know, the boats and stuff, and we're down to our lake house, and he does a really good job with that. He's very careful, yeah. which is good. <laughs> yeah. It's always, uh, well, it's always dangerous, given the keys it to, is. Keys to yeah. young kids. <laughs> I keep telling him, boats, unlike cars, do not have brakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I, yeah, yeah, I've actually uh, done some boating and some sailing, and uh, a sailboat, by the way, does not stop like anything else, <laughs> folks. No, that's why it has the, it has the highest price priority out there everybody has to give way to the sailboats <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah jeez louise um hey uh let's see where do we want to go with this you know i want to uh, i want to talk about your foundation just for a little bit um mm-hmm. i hear that you guys are uh, have have uh oh, given away over a million dollars already um right. uh, a lot of a lot of money and and it seems um, are you reorganizing i i noticed that uh, you were with an agent for some time and uh, have you pulled everything in house now uh, as far no, I as mean, my literary agent is the same as it you know it's ever been aaron priest out of new york he's been on there since my first book great guy mm-hmm. and um you know, we we do a lot of stuff from our office. Obviously, we run the foundation from here as well. We have a full time director for the organization, and it's going like gangbusters. And the, our book collection program, Feeding Body and Mind, we collect books on book tour, and then we distribute them out throughout the food banks across the United States. It's been a huge success. We've given out over a million books in the last two and a half years um, through that program, and make people you know self sustaining, give them the skills they need to you know improve their lives. And that's the goal behind that, and. It's it's really both programs are going fantastically well, and uh, we keep you know trying to expand 
expand them to reach more people. Yeah. Hey, um, something um, something a little bit different here. I, I'd like to have, because uh, I asked Vince Flynn this when I talked to him, because uh, he writes about the uh, the threat uh, to uh, U.S. security. Right. So what how do you what do you see out there david i mean um you're you're involved in the uh, in that community you've you've uh, you know somehow uh, have uh, intelligence uh, that you know uh, that may not be critical to national security but you sure know uh, some of the inner works of our of our uh, agencies so um, do you personally see something changing in the world today? Do you see oh, yeah. doom and gloom? Do you see... Um, well, there are hope? a lot of challenges. There are challenges out there. Uh, I do see some hope. I mean, certainly you look across at some of the places that have been traditional enemies of ours. They're, you know, the Arab Spring and the uprisings and the push for democracy. How some of that plays out, you know, you, we may get people, you know, in place of the ones who have been our enemies who maybe will be even bigger enemies. We don't know at this point, but it's, some of that is turning around, which is nice. Yeah. Whoever thought that Syria, you know, would be fighting for their freedom. Tell me about um, it. So, but I think, you know, on the horizon, at least in the intelligence world, what, what people are really nervous about, no country can beat us militarily. It's just a given. It's not going to happen. Right. And you look at uh, what terrorists can do with the resources they have, and, you know, they're very much into replication theory, which is if you um, – it's almost what this guy did. At the, he obviously wasn't an Islamic terrorist, but at the theater in, in Colorado, um, you yes. know, you have one or two of those, and everybody stops going to the movies. And that disrupts economy. You, you have one or two bombings and airline counters. People are afraid to go to the airports. That's a replication theory. But what really is scaring the crap out of people in the intelligence field right now is uh, cyber warfare. Yeah. And that's, I think that's where we're most vulnerable. And I've heard reports that, uh, you know, Iran is training a, you know, a cyber army. Um, you know, a thousand strong. Many of them were trained in the United States and went back uh, to disrupt um, our uh, cyber uh, blanket in this country, uh, the power grid. Uh, nuclear power plants, uh, internet commerce, um, security of large commercial organizations. Uh, you know, you blow out people's um, uh, uh, commerce online. You take down an Amazon, uh, or you blow out uh, BlackBerry, or you can really, or you knock down uh, iPhone, or you take out Android, uh, or you take out Verizon or whatever. That's a big deal. And uh, our power grid, in particular, uh, is pretty vulnerable. It's very fragile. Uh, just on physical capacity, much less protecting against any type of you know cyber attack. So that's what's scaring the crap out of people today. Yeah, are you um, are you working on something new? I am. I have a, a new book I just finished. It'll be out in November. It's called The Forgotten, and I bring back a character from last year. Um, novel Zero Day. His yeah. name is John Puller. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's an Army CID agent and. Uh, forgotten is a new adventure for him. It'll be out on November twentieth. Really? And really excited about that. You know, I wrote it very much in the same vein as the as the Innocence, pedal to the metal, yeah. just you know, uh, pace. And although obviously you get to know his character a little bit more from the first book and the things that happened, but it's an adrenaline rush for sure. And it was a lot of fun to write that one. Oh, far out! Wow, wow. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, well, I've read a lot of uh, your reviews and uh, a number of. Uh, a uh, number of interviewers are, are, are astounded on the uh, on how fast uh, and how complete you you uh, seem to pop these things out. Um, so you're doing two books a year, one to two books a year. That's yeah, 
And I, I think the only reason I, I do that is because it's still fun for me. I'm still like a kid, just yeah. using my imagination to write. I don't, I've never viewed it as a job. I never got up and came to the office thinking, you know, I'm punching a time clock. It's just fantasy world for me where I get to, you know, be 12 years old over and over and over again. I think that where it gets like drudgery is where you see it as a job and you get a, and you get a paycheck. I've never seen it that way. And I think that's one reason I, you know, I finish a book and it's not like, oh, thank God, I'm going to take a couple of months off. It's like, hey, you know, what do I do next? This is great. You know, I can't, re- I can't wait to jump back in again. And that's just the way I view it. And I think that's one reason I'm so productive. Yeah. Um, yeah. And your discipline, obviously your discipline as a, as a lawyer and uh, oh, yeah. growing yeah. up as an Italian-American, uh, you know, I mean, I got that kind of discipline also. We talked about that last time, but uh, right. growing up in New England and uh, through the 60s and 70s, um, yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. Well, I like your... Uh, uh, I like the fact that you're 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 still fresh. You're still going. Um, everything you put out, David, um, uh, seems to uh, uh, be on target. <laughs> um, yeah, it really does. Uh, yeah, you're you're a growing. Uh, <clears throat> well, look at uh, my one of my favorite authors of all times is Nelson DeMille. Um, oh yeah, love Nelson. I, I I started him in the uh, '70s, and uh, I'm actually gonna actually gonna interview him this fall, which I'm excited about. Also, but tell him I said hello. <laughs> really, you guys know each other? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, fantastic! Absolutely. Oh fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know, when I picked you up a year and a half ago, um, I uh, I just couldn't put it down. And uh, like I said, you're 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 huge. Uh, I have a lot of veterans that uh, um, I work with, um, part of my population at the library, and um, mm-hmm. I'm always turning them on to you and, uh, you know, uh, other I folks. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, hey, yeah. you know, when you're good, you're good, David. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what's, uh, what's new uh, on the uh, cooking front? Um, you know, la- <laughs> we, we – uh, off air, we were talking for a few moments, and I said, "What are you cooking these days?" And you said, "Whatever you're, you're told to cook." <laughs> but but uh, uh, you still cook, right? You still have yeah. fun with family, and uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and during the summers, um, we particularly when we're down at the lake, we do a lot of grilling. We grill out a lot, and typically what we do, we do a lot of fish, do a lot of kebabs. We do a lot of grilling, you know, with both meat and vegetables on the grill. Um, you know, you marinate them, you put them in the, in the Reynolds wrap pockets, and, and yeah. you cook them that way. And that's really good stuff. And we have go, we have a garden up in Northern Virginia and one down at the lake, and we're very much into organic. We like raising our own vegetables, and it's uh, a lot of herbs. And my wife is really big into that, and it, it just makes a huge difference. You walk outside the door and get what you need and bring it back in, and it just tastes a lot better. And, you know, we really focus on that. And, and the kids, too. You know, it's my daughter's at college. When she's at home, you know, we all kind of pitch in, and it's fun to try new stuff. Oh, I always, I always thought a garden is, is a great um, uh, canvas uh, learning ground for, for children because my, my grandfather and my mom got me into it, and it gives you an appreciation. I think it gives you a little bit different uh, scope on life. Um, yep. Uh, it gives you an appreciation and and you know the beauty of seeing things grow and 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 on the and uh, and then additionally i'm not so sure that the food chain is uh, clean at this point <laughs> yeah uh, far from it actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly uh i i um, my darn tomatoes
tomatoes uh, are still not coming out the way I want, though, cause, which really kills me. I, I, I try to grow, grow romas so that I can make my sauce for the winter. And uh, Oh, yeah. Because yeah, when I cook, I cook uh, you know, a couple gallons of sauce, and uh, I use it for everything I make. Anyway, you know, whatever. We'll, we'll talk and, uh, tomatoes can be tricky. My dad made the best. You know, he lived in Hanover, Virginia, Hanover Tomatoes. He had a... A thousand square foot garden, and he would, you know, at the end of the season, he would have a truck full of tomatoes, and they were great. But tomatoes are tricky; they need just amount of moisture, just amount of right sun. If you, you know, even an hour difference a day, I found, you know, you'll you'll see the difference between a good crop and a not so good crop. Yeah, it's just it's tricky. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, um, and I we have a uh, local uh, uh, gardener uh, supplier uh, that comes in and. Uh, I asked him the other day about the tomatoes, and I said, I haven't seen any bees around. He goes, I don't worry about it. Tomatoes don't need bees. I never knew that. <laughs> oh. Yeah, they don't need bees. I don't know why, but they just don't need bees anyway. <laughs> we're <Seriously> independent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting uh, a little off track here. But anyway, listen, um, uh, David, as usual, um, and as always, uh, um, it, it's a blast talking to you because you're a real guy. Um, you, you, there's nothing pretentious about you. Um, love your work, uh, your discipline, your style, your heritage. Uh, um, uh, I, I think that you bring to the table uh, a lot of commonality with uh, with folks that uh, like this type of uh, read. And um, the innocent is uh, is one of your best so far. I, I mean, I gotta I gotta admit it. It is. Uh, it's, it's a keeper. <laughs> I appreciate that very much. Yeah. It, you know, mean it means a lot to keep people appreciate the stuff, and uh, you know, I keep trying to you know do as, as well as I can, and it's nice that people enjoy it. Well, I'd like to uh, like to send out everybody a uh, uh, a demand. I want you all to pick up this darn book and get it, uh, David. Uh, you've got it all over the world. You've got it on your uh, website, uh, Amazon. Every everywhere, right? Yes, it's everywhere. And is this an also an ebook, uh, David? I didn't ask yeah. you that earlier. Absolutely, right. it came out the same day as the book did. Yeah, Fan- fantastic. Um, well, listen. On that note, I'd like to uh, I'd like to thank NPR and KISU staff manager Jamin Anderson for making this show possible. On behalf of the Marshall Public Library, this is Greg Grasso, and uh, again, I'm with uh, one of the best darn writers I've ever talked to and read, um, David Baldacci. Um, Man, thanks thanks again for taking the call, and uh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for The Forgotten uh, coming out uh, this this fall, right? That's right. It'll be out in November. Yeah. Yes. And uh, Wish You Well, the movie. I can't wait to see that also. Um, I love it. Uh, David, thank you again. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. All right, buddy. See you later. Take care. Yep.